wonderful things here. So we're grateful for that family and, and you all in Jesus' name. Um, not just because of that, but because you're part of our family in Jesus' name. So we, we absolutely enjoy that in Jesus' name. But what a wonderful presence of God that we've had here tonight in Jesus' name. The prayer room was just incredible. Um, I mean, the, there's not much more ministering than, that you can do other than the Holy Ghost. I mean, just letting that flow and touch people and move, I mean, that's, that's really where it's at. And uh, so I'm so thankful for God showing up and meeting us here and, and being with us in Jesus' name. Does anybody by chance remember what we, uh, the, the lesson from last Wednesday by chance? I guess you guys can cheat. I see people turning in their books. But <laughs> Brother Mike's already saying he's going to cheat tonight in Jesus' name. <laughs> Whose report will you believe? I don't even see a book in front of you, brother, so that's awesome. There you go. Whose report will you believe in Jesus' name? Does anybody remember the two characters that we spoke about in that? Joshua and Caleb, yes, two great guys, very much so. And so we're going to continue talking about these two men um, tonight, and we're going to begin to look at Joshua uh, chapter 1 and verse 1. If you have your Bible, you may want to turn there. We'll put it on the screens as well um, in just a second here. But um, these scriptures here um, begin to speak about Joshua and, and what God has called him to do. So just to remind you, Joshua and Caleb, they were the two that out of the 12 came back and said, this land is a land that we can inherit because we have heard the promise of God. We know that there's giants over there and we know that there's uh, enemies and there's big foes that are coming up against us and there's evil things over there and that sort of stuff. But they both said that there is a promise of God that is upon us and upon our nation. And as a result, we can go over there and we can conquer these things and claim these things in Jesus' name and, and, and that sort of stuff. They brought back that good report. However, the other 10 that came back said, man, we, we know that God said that we can inherit this land, but there's giants over there and there's big walls and how are we going to overcome this stuff? We just can't do that. And so it was two verses 10, two of them that were trusting in the promise of God, 10 of them that were not. And I can understand how they might be intimidated by those things out there, but Joshua and Caleb stood fast to that. And so today we're going to speak some more about Joshua and, and the challenges and, and how we can become more like Joshua where we see God's promise and maybe there's some things that are separating us from God's promise. There's some things that are between us and God's promise. Or maybe it looks like God's promise just isn't going to happen. And we're questioning, God, how is this going to happen? Because I've seen that promise in your word. And I've prayed about it, but it just hasn't came to pass in my life. And I don't understand why it hasn't came to pass in Jesus' name. And so I hope that this lesson tonight will be part of that answer. And, and that's uh, what we're going to be speaking about here is following the leader. And that's uh, kind of something that we have to learn inside of our lifestyles in, in Jesus' name. It, it amazes me, um, a lot of times you can see in the teenagers, they, they learn so much from their parents, and, and you, you can really tell a lot about a, a household based upon like a student and how they're reacting. It amazes me that the students that are inside a school and how defiant some of them truly become to any sort of uh, authority. Uh, just yesterday in the lunch line, there were, were these kids, and, and this buddy uh, invited his friends to cut in the lunch line. So this teacher walked up to them and said, hey man, like, you know, either you go back with them or they can't cut. I mean, that's just unfair to the rest of this line here. Just very nicely telling him that. And, and he started mouthing off and said a bunch of swear words at her and said, you can't tell me to do that and that sort of thing. I mean, straight to this teacher. And I, I, it was just appalling. I wasn't there when, when this happened. But then he, he just continued on and on and on. I mean, it, it went to this, this, this place where um, even inside, they, they put them in cubes now is what it's called. It's a place where it's just dead silent and they put them in these cubicles where they're by themselves to discipline them and things like that. But, but they, they sent them to the cubes and he says, well, I'm not going. I don't have to go there and listen to you. He told the principal this, like, I don't got to go there and that sort of stuff. Eventually he went because the principal told him, well, man, either you, you, you're getting expelled from the school or you, you go to cubes. One of you, you choose. I mean, it's your option. But still, he went to cubes and even after getting out of cubes, I mean, he was just like shrugging his shoulders like, no big deal. Like, I, I can be defiant to whoever I want to. It's amazing to see in our world today just the defiance towards certain leadership. And I'm not saying that, that we need to bow down to every form of leadership because there's some bad forms out there and that sort of stuff in our world. However, God has set up a God-ordained form of leadership in our life. And part of that is that he wants us to have a great life and he wants us to be able to live life to its fullest. And if we're not under his plan of, of, of that leadership, 
then we, we sometimes will miss out on what he wants us to do. And that can even be being defiant to God. I think every one of us can say at some point in time that we were defiant towards God. And, um, you know, I regret those times that I told God, well, I don't think that that's the way that it should work, God. Or, or maybe you tell him no. Um, and that's a dangerous place when you tell God no, that that's not what is going to happen in Jesus' name. So following the leader is a very important aspect. It's, it can become something that is, is doctrinally sound, and, and it's something that we must listen to in Jesus' name. So I'll read you these few paragraphs just to kind of introduce this a little bit more so than that. But uh, Joshua is going to teach us about this tonight in Jesus' name. It says, Many of us learned in school that there were nine planets in our solar system. Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. Who all learned that there were nine planets in there. I did as well. Yeah. We memorized this fact along with the alphabet, timetables, and the Pledge of Allegiance. It's something that we all took for granted, these things that we learned. You may not be aware, however, that what you thought was a, a, an unassailable reality is no longer true. As of August 24, 2006, Pluto is no longer a planet in our solar system. No, it didn't somehow disappear, but the International Astronomical Union, the group of esteemed astronomers who made judgments about these such things, met in Prague and decided that Pluto no longer met the guidelines for being a planet. Pluto didn't change, but the guidelines did. The tiny former planet was discovered in 1930 by an astronomer named Clyde Trum Trombo. Um, although Pluto has five moons, its mass is less than a fifth of the Earth's moon, so it's, it's pretty small. And Pluto's elliptical orbit rounds the sun just once in every 248 years. You think about the creation that God made, that's huge. 248 years for that to make one circle around the sun, that's insane. Scientists have determined that it's not an independent planet, but comes under the gravitational influence of Neptune. For those who took the existence of nine planets as an article of faith, that news was shocking indeed. If something as large as an iconic as a planet can be reclassified, what else might change? It's a question we have to ask ourselves. Here is one thing that will never change. The promises of God. As Joshua stood on the edge of the Jordan River, ready to claim the promised land, he assured the people that God's promise was still good. Many things had no doubt changed as they were wandering through the desert for 40 long years. And an entire generation had come and gone, yet the word of the Lord stood firm in these circumstances. Today, I want you to understand that the promises of God are not decided by a committee of scientists. They are written in God's word, and they are secure. We can have confidence in them because of his promise, his presence, and his power, which is never changing in Jesus' name. That's incredible to think about, that we don't have some committee down here that we have to worry about them changing these things on us in Jesus' name, because what we believe is solidified in this book here, and everything that we believe can be found in here in Jesus' name. That, that's exciting, and that's powerful as well. And so Joshua now had this, this idea that he needed to go and claim this promised land because of the promise that God had given to him. You see where God took him from, you know, he went to that land and came back and said, man, we can go over there and conquer this place and claim it in Jesus' name. And, and he was the one that was chosen to lead the people into that land. So let's look at scripture here in Joshua, I, I almost said John, Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1. And we're just going to read through the, the first uh, seven verses of this, this book here to kind of understand and get some context of, of what God um, was, was showing here. It says in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, and, and just to give you a little bit of context here as well. Moses, if you, if you don't remember, they were wandering around for 40 years in that wilderness because people were being defiant and they said, man, we can't possess that land and that sort of stuff. 40 years where an entire generation died off. So God brought up a whole new generation and Moses himself also was not allowed to go into that land for various circumstances, but that's beside the point. But anyway, Joshua was now the one that was going to lead them in here and that's where we're coming into this story in Jesus' name. And so it says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, unto the land which I give unto them, even to the children 
of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river and the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. We sing from the rising of the sun to the... Yeah, there you go. Verse 5 goes on to say, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of your life. And as I was with you, um, or as I was with Moses, sorry, so will I be with you. I will not fail you nor forsake you. Be strong and be of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance this land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be you strong and very courageous, that you mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Turn not from it to the right hand nor to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. And just to finish this out, it says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make your word prosperous, and you shalt have good success. Have not I commanded you, be strong and of a good courage. The second time that's said, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you whithersoever thou goest. Powerful words for Joshua. If you put yourself in his shoes and think about God coming to you and saying, man, be of good courage. Get, get ready for this battle because you know what? You're, you're going over to this promised land and everything that you put your foot upon, every enemy, every village, everything that you see is now going to be yours. You now have the ability to claim that and to take that and, and that sort of thing. Think about God telling you that and just how encouraging that would be of, man, you know what? We're going to march over here and we're going to claim all this land, but it's because we have a promise in God and what he can do in Jesus' name. And it's the same thing that he does tell us here in Jesus' name, that he has told us that we can claim salvation victoriously in Jesus' name, that we can one day walk down streets of gold and march into his kingdom if we listen to the promises that are inside of this book. He says that we can lay hands on the sick and that they shall recover, that we can pray for one another and see each other filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, that we can be baptized in Jesus' name, fully submerged in water, and come out of that water and have all of our sins completely washed away in Jesus' name. These are the promises that he has given to us, and they are, are very great promises that we have. But sometimes we look at those things and we see the giants in them of, of man, well, you know, um, what, what would people think of me if I, if I do that? Or what would people, I mean, people think it's weird to, to go down in water and that sort of stuff. What does the water do? There's no magical power in the water and that sort of stuff. I mean, these would be ideas that the world might begin to feed to us. But we have to rise above that and say, you know what, it's in the book. God has given us that promise, and so we can have faith in it and trust in it in Jesus' name and, and believe that God's going to do it. Again, whose report? are you going to believe? Whose report will you believe? It ties into this in Jesus' name. So there's so much here that, that I could just preach on and everything else, and, and i got to be careful tonight with that in Jesus' name. But it, it's just incredible. So I'm just going through these scriptures that we just read here. I didn't realize that those were all there. But confidence to possess the promise comes from, from God's promises. Confidence to possess the promise, it comes from God's promises. God called for a new beginning for his people. He gave Israel a new leader to take them into the promised land. All of this older generation had died in the wilderness due to their disobedience, and only Joshua and Caleb, two people, remained from that generation. It's incredible to think about. Joshua was appointed by God to lead the new generation to possess the land promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joshua's confidence came from this promise of God. He understood that God had spoke those things and that it was their right or their ability to walk across that, that land and to claim what God had given to them in Jesus' name. No matter what enemy or what foe would be there, it was their job to go over there and begin to do the work and to claim those things in Jesus' name. So here is the threefold purpose that Joshua was given. And this is not in your book, but these are the three things that Joshua was given here. First, he was to lead God's people over the Jordan. This was the first thing that God asked him to do for this, to, to claim this promise, to, to begin to march these people over this river into the promised land. Right away, 
us as human beings could begin to look at this mighty river that's flowing there and, and, and this crazy thing and think, man, how am I going to get three million people to cross this river that's flowing like crazy here? We don't have a dam. This thing isn't stopped up. I mean, how are we going to walk across this river? Are we going to float everything? Are we going to get places there? I mean, immediately as human beings, I don't think I'm the only one that would begin to think of the logistics or planning this stuff out of, man, God, you gave us this promise, but let me begin to put the details in here and figure out how we're going to, to get this plan in action, God. But no, God just said, you know, go over the Jordan. Go over the Jordan. And, and that's what they had to do to get to their, their promise or their inheritance. Second, he was tasked to overcome the enemy. So now you, know, you don't just have the river here, but now you have an enemy with weapons and with real swords and with people that want to kill them and, and with giants or, or, or people that are you know, a couple feet taller than them is what, what the Bible refers to. They have people from that time that they've recovered that are up to, to nine feet tall. I mean, it's, it's crazy. But they have you know, these things that they call giants and these people that are over there and, and big and buff men and that sort of stuff. I mean, they've been in the wilderness for 40 years wandering around getting weak while these other guys are over there eating these big grapes and getting super strong and, and being mighty and that sort of stuff. And so you're thinking, man, we're just a bunch of skinny guys over here and we're going to run across this river and, and just get annihilated on the other land. I can relate to that. But, but man, like you, you, you're going to these places and, and you have to think about what, what Joshua's coming up against here and trying to tell people, hey, God gave us a promise, so we need to listen to that promise more so than we listen to our minds or what we're thinking about this land that's over there in Jesus' name. And then the third thing he was given is that he, he was to possess the inheritance. He was to go over there and claim it. That after they defeat that enemy and come up against that enemy and defeat them, that he was to claim that land for God's people. That this is our land. This is, is, is what, what God, where God wants us to stand in Jesus' name. And so along with that, God gave him three promises as well. In Joshua chapter 1, 3 through 4, you'll see the first promise that God promised Israel would enter the land. Again, just beginning to give us that, that promise for that first thing that he asked Joshua to do. He gave Joshua a task, but then he gave him a promise as well, saying, you know what, cross the river, but here, I'm going to give you the ability to do it in Jesus' name. In Joshua 1 and 5, you will see that he promised there would be a victory over every challenge. So he said, I don't just want you to go defeat these enemies. And I want you to know that there will be a victory in every single one of those fights that you go into. You will have victory to, to rise above that. God isn't just sending them out there and saying, hey, you know, have fun. This is going to be a great battle. We'll see who wins on the other side. No, he's saying, I, I, here's the promise, but I'm going to give you the tools to make sure that it's done as well. I know that it may be a scary thing to begin to step out on those promises sometimes, but man, God will give you the ability and the tools to, to, to take hold of them, to, to conquer what he has given to you in Jesus' name. God has absolutely given us spiritual authority in, in various realms and given us the ability to conquer things. And, and tonight, I don't want you to think differently about this, that I'm giving you permission to go out there and fight people and that sort of stuff. I'm not talking about fighting people because the New Testament says that we don't battle against flesh and blood. That's not the battle that we fight in today's world, but we fight spiritual battles when we go out there, spiritual lands that we have to walk into and, and conquer and claim and, and begin to pray and say, you know what, if my family is in a church, I'm going to pray because I believe that God's power and his presence can begin to go in there and defeat that enemy. If I haven't received the gift of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to pray that God would fill me with the Holy Ghost inside of this land. It may not seem right. It may not seem like the way that, that the world wants things done, but I'm going to listen and trust God and the promise that he has given to me and the, the, use the tools that he's given to me to conquer that in Jesus' name. You can think about it, you know, something else like, like dancing or music and, and that sort of stuff. I mean, we have these atmospheres in here, and it's powerful what God does in a place like this. But God has given us this method to say, this is what's going to happen when, when you worship me. This is the way that I desire you to worship me. And if you use this method or these tools that I've given to you, then this is the promise that's going to come as a result in Jesus' name. It's not up to us to begin to say, well, God, this one looks kind of weird, but God, this one looks okay. I think I can do this one. No, we got to just look at what the, the scripture says and say, God, if you said it, then I'm going to to do it. If I got to dance and look completely weird up here to get free from everything that I brought into this service tonight, then I'm going to dance and get free from that no matter what everybody else begins to think about me. No matter what's out there on Facebook or whatever else, I'm going to do it for you, God, because I desire that promise and to defeat that giant that is before me in Jesus' name. Again, following 
our leaders. And then the third thing, the third promise that, that God gave to him in Joshua 1 and 6 is that God promised the people would divide the land and a portion would be given to each of the tribes of Israel. That, that they would divide this land up and it would be given among. Again, he told Joshua to possess that land and then he said this is how it's going to be divided up. So it's an incredible thing. He's given him the tools in these circumstances. So Joshua understood that his mission could not fail so long as he and the people were faithful to God. He understood that as long as they were faithful to what God was telling them, that they could not fail. But we see, obviously, at certain points and times that Israel goes into here and they worship other gods, and that's when they begin to fail, or the enemy begins to defeat them, if you read the Old Testament, because they weren't faithful to God and the promises or what the tools he had given to them. So we have to be careful with that. God never gives us a task that he does not promise to help us fulfill. He doesn't give us tasks and, and just say, hey, have fun with these things. I'm going to see you get burnt out and wore out and enjoy life. I mean, have a good time down there. No, he gives us the tools to, to overcome these things around us in Jesus' name. He's given us the abilities. And sometimes we're just not aware of these things. Sometimes we have to read more scripture about it. Sometimes we have to go to our pastor and ask for, for wisdom and advice in some of those things because we just don't know what tool do I use to, 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 to claim this promise inside of my life. But we have that leadership in our lives for those reasons in Jesus' name. So we will go to this next slide here. God told Joshua that he had to exercise his faith and be strong and of good courage. To be strong and of good courage. I think we all would want to be that in Jesus' name. Like, man, I want to be strong and of good courage in Jesus' name. His sovereignty does not excuse human inactivity. So what, what that is saying is that, that even though God gives us these promises and all these incredible things that he's giving us and saying you can conquer this and you can have this and that, he's not just absolutely, he is giving it to us for free, but we still have to work for it in order to obtain it in Jesus' name, if that makes sense. God wants us to begin to make steps towards those promises that he has given to us. For example, the, the Holy Ghost, if, if, you know, that's a promise that God has given to us, that he will fill us with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Well, it doesn't just happen by, by sitting on a log in the middle of the forest and saying, man, life is just so lame and all this sort of stuff. No, it happens by lifting up our hands and, and by repenting and getting rid of our sins and, and by saying, God, I'm ready for you to, to, to fill me. And then you begin to praise him and he can begin to fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost and you can speak in other tongues as he does that in Jesus' name. It's the steps that we have to take. And so, again, to other people, lifting the hands up, what, what does that do? I mean, is it some radar or like, I mean... I don't know exactly how it all works, but what I know is that God has given me the promise in the book, and he said, this is how you get to that point. And so I take those steps, and I get to that point, and when I get to that point, my goodness, the promise comes. It's, it's just crazy. Um, it's awesome to see what God does through that. So he gives us that, that strength and, and that courage to, to battle these things, and sometimes we have to begin to pray for that in Jesus' name. And so we have to accept the challenge to constantly be growing in Jesus' name. No matter where we are at in our walk with God, and if you had some idea that you would reach a point and not have to grow anymore uh, in, in this thing, it's just not going to happen down here, unfortunately. It's just not, you're not going to get to that place in Jesus' name. I would love to get there and just be able to kick back on a beach somewhere and be good to go for the rest of life, but that's just not what's, what's going to happen. We have to begin to say, God, I want to grow in you constantly. I want to know more about you, desire more of your depths. And, and it's unbelievable, right? When you start to get to that point where you think, man, I know this thing pretty good. God drops another bombshell, and it's like, whoa, like there's a whole other atmosphere inside of this thing that, that I can pray through in Jesus' name. It's incredible stuff. And so here's the scripture in Joshua 1 and 7. Again, it says, be thou strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. So again, you kind of see where the scripture begins to come into play now because God's telling him, I have given you this law, but don't go to the right-hand side of it, don't go to the left-hand side of it, but I want you to do exactly what it says. I want you to follow these steps that I have given to you and be right in the midst of that every single day because this is what's, what's going to help you obtain that promise. God is speaking that to him in Jesus' name. So we must be obedient in order to receive the promise that God has given to us. And so... Joshua was tasked with leading Israel, but it was up to Israel to make the choice to obey. 
Joshua had to lead them, but it was their choice whether or not they wanted to obey what he was telling them. It was completely up to them. God has always used leaders to develop his people, cast the vision, and to direct them towards the promise. It is imperative that we learn to follow the leader, and we have the responsibility to submit to our leaders as a result. And I'm so thankful for our pastor that casts vision, that leads us into these promises of God, that has a vision of reaching more souls and seeing more people in discipleship classes and seeing more people filled with the Holy Ghost and, and that sort of stuff. It's not because we want people to believe what, what we believe. It's because we want people to believe what the Bible says and we want people to experience what God wants them to, to know about this yeah. world and things like that. Religion is nothing. It's, it's all about this Bible and being involved with God and being in his presence in Jesus' name. I'm thankful for that leader, but there's a, a biblical principle in that, that we must follow our leader and follow his leadership as we walk through, through our lives in Jesus' name, even if it doesn't make sense again to us. I mean, when Joshua gave some of these commands of, hey guys, go over this river and fight those guys and see that enemy defeated, I'm sure that there was somebody down on the bottom level of that that was like, wow, this really doesn't make sense. They didn't hear the promise of God, didn't really know or understand what they were doing, but they just did it out of faith. You know what? I trust Joshua. I trust my leader. And if he's telling me to go over there and do that, then I have faith that we can do this. I know that, that it may sound weird and crazy that we're going to defeat these giants, but we're going to go over there and we're going to claim it because of what our, our leader has told us in Jesus' name. I mean, it's an incredible stuff to think about that as well. And so there's two challenging times that we must learn to obey God. There's two, two things that are two times when we must really learn to obey God. One is when we are blessed beyond measure. It can be a challenging time. And the other is when we are tried beyond our patience. When we're blessed beyond measure and when we are tried beyond our patience. Those two times are when we can absolutely be tempted to, to walk away from the promises of God in Jesus' name. If you're blessed beyond measure, you can think, man, I got it made. I don't have to be able to, I, I, don't, I can skip Sunday for a service or whatever, you know. Like sometimes we begin to get those mindsets as human beings or whatever. Or if you're, you're on the opposite side, when you're just tired be, or tried beyond your patience, you're just like, God, you haven't taken me out of this pit and it hasn't went anywhere, so your promises aren't valid and I just don't want to go to those places. And, and I, I'm not picking on anybody here. I'm just trying to give some examples of what can happen if we don't truly trust in these things. So in those times, if you feel those times in your life, those are the times that we need to absolutely be praying and absolutely need to be seeking God more so than a lot of other times, just so that we know what his promises are saying in Jesus' name. So going on to this next point, if we believe God's word is true and his promises are never in doubt, then we must submit ourselves to him in obedience in order to receive those promises, kind of what we're speaking to. We must be consistent in daily prayer to remain submitted to his will. And we must submit to the leader that God has appointed in our life to develop our ministry and direct our paths in Jesus' name. So let me ask this question here and, and get a little bit of feedback. I know I've been talking for a little while here. But what can cause us to doubt God's promises? What are some things that you think can cause us to doubt God or his promises? Yes. Lack of faith. time frames when they don't happen when we want them to yes yeah trying to put it in our time not his amen yes yeah when other people tell us that's not so yeah used about the tools and using those yes very much so yeah I think these are all great answers I mean it's very realistic and, and if we're honest as human beings I mean there's there's things in our lives that are going to cause us to struggle with these sometimes it, it's it's not made to to make sense to our flesh and our flesh is going to to have some confusion about it sometimes I don't understand how our universe is so huge and how it could take you know 10 billion years to travel across one area. I, I, don't, I don't understand all that stuff. I, I tried to imagine it, and, and it just doesn't work. My mind can't wrap itself around that. So to say that I'm going to comprehend God or what he has given in some of this stuff, it, it's just not a valid statement. It's just not going to happen until I can get to his kingdom one day and, and be standing before him, and then I, I'll have a whole list of questions that will probably stay in my pocket down here, and I won't ever ha remember to ask him those things. 
But I mean, there, there's things that can cause us to doubt God's promises for sure. And so you can, you can ask yourself this question, what promises of God have you seen fulfilled in your life? Um, and, and you can really just begin to testify about, man, you know, God was faithful in that circumstance. Maybe there was a time that I should have died, but God kept me through it. And, and you know, that's a miracle in and of itself or whatever it may be. Things that God can give to us through his promises in Jesus' name. And so confidence to possess the promise comes from God's presence. Confidence to possess the promise comes from his presence. It's so reassuring. I mean, just even walking in the prayer room tonight into that presence of God, I mean, just immediately you begin to feel that rush. It's just like a, I relate it to just a cool breeze, you know, on, on a really warm day, and just all of a sudden it hits you, and you're just like, man, this feels really good to be in here. This feels amazing. And, and you just begin to walk in that presence in Jesus' name, and that's when you really begin to say, you know what, if God's here and willing to meet me on this, his promises have to be very, very true in what he has said. And so, again, looking at the scripture here and relating this in Joshua 1 and 9, he said, Have I not commanded you to be strong and of good courage? Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you, whithersoever thou goest. In this scripture, he didn't say, hey, like, you guys are, are going to go over there and nobody's going to die. There's going to be nobody that gets a cut on their arm. There's going to be nobody that has a, 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 a bruise. There's going to be nobody that loses a limb. That's not what he's saying in here, but he's saying, you know what? Don't be afraid when you go over there. Be of good courage. Whatever happens, it's my, my promise that, that it's going to turn out in the end. You just got to trust me in that. And I know it can be intimidating in, in some of that stuff, but man, these guys stepped out there in faith and said, this was a promise that God has given to us so we can walk into it. We can begin to see how it, it becomes super intimidating when we hear the promise of God and then all of a sudden we have all these issues coming up and some people begin to say, well, it must just not be the will of God or it must be the devil that, that's you know, just uh, you know, doing all these things or whatever it may be, so we, we might as well just let that one go beside because maybe that door's not open. No, absolutely not. If God has given us a promise inside of the Bible, we must be willing to say, you know what? I'm going to fight for that no matter what bruising, no matter what hurt it begins to bring, no matter what despair it puts in my life. I'm going to trust in the promise of God because he has spoken to it, spoken this to me, and it's my job to go and claim it in Jesus' name. It's a powerful thing. And so that leads us to this, this point here that God will never leave us nor forsake us, that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He's not just going to abandon us and say, have fun in that world. As I've said before, he's not just going to leave you alone. There may be times that he is absolutely silent, but he's just sitting there. He, he's, his presence is around you in Jesus' name, and his strength is still there with you to help you through those circumstances in Jesus' name. The new hit song, Waymaker, because Pentecostal of Alexandria, you know, sang it. But that, that hit song, it says, even when I don't feel you, you're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. I love that part of that song just because you begin to think about it, man. You know, like walking in this world, we, we, we probably won't begin to see it. Even sometimes we won't be, be feeling God inside of our prayer time. And we won't be feeling that incredible rushing feeling like I was talking about here. But even in those times, God is still there listening. He is still there moving. He is still there doing things around us. To, to see those promises and those benefits happen in our lives. And that is incredible that we can trust in him that much so in Jesus' name in those things. And so sometimes we must just wait upon God. We know the promise. We know what he has given to us. But sometimes we just have to, to be faithful to him and wait upon him. And say, God, if it's your desire for me to have the Holy Ghost, man, I'm going to be in church, God, and I'm going to meet you there. And if, if you feel me, uh, I believe you will feel me in Jesus' name. And when he doesn't, we just say, God, I'm going to wait on you next service. I'm going to be back here again waiting on you for, for that, that promise of those things to happen in my life. We continue to get to that place where we say, God, I'm ready for your promises to flow in my life. And I'm willing to wait as long as it will possibly take in Jesus' name. There's incredible testimonies out there of people having to wait years to see some of God's promises begin to unfold inside of their lives. And it doesn't make sense at the current time, but when God's promise, when you look at it in the long run, it completely unfolded the way that it was supposed to in Jesus' name. So obedience and patience are two things that we must have in our lives, things that we must think about or put in our lives. He works perfectly, but his timing is absolutely different from ours. He brought that out, brother, that... The timing is, is different. His timing is always different in Jesus' name. So can anybody guess the next blank in your book? Timing. timing. There we go. I gave it away. 
Yes, you're paying attention in Jesus' name. God's timing is always perfect. I, I, I don't know how else, how much better to explain this sort of thing. It's always perfect. The, the best example that you can have is, is some of your past testimonies or God doing things inside of your life and just saying, man, you know what, it worked out right when it needed to. It was in that place. And, and God's not, not just trying to hold us over a ledge and say, man, you know, like until you get to this certain point, then I'm going to pull you back real quick, right about when you're, you're ready to go off. Sometimes that's the way it happens. But not always. And, and he understands when he needs to put things or pour things into our lives just because of, uh, of his understanding of the universe and his understanding of how things work. He created it all, so he knows how those things work inside of our lives in Jesus' name. He provides a strategy for us to break through in our victory in Jesus' name. He provides those strategies to us that he knows what we're coming up against and he provides us with our strategies and, and, and these things that we can claim in Jesus' name. There's a story as well inside of this, that story of Jericho. And if you remember, they came up to this walled city that for many people would have looked impossible to penetrate if you, if you think about this. And you have Jericho and these large walls around there, walls that were so large that there were houses within the wall. We're not just talking about like a little fortress wall or a wall that, that President Trump is building down wherever. We're not talking about that type of wall. This wall was huge. It was massive. Um, I can't even remember how big they have said the base is, but it, it's, it's huge, um, just incredible. And so they come up to this thing and thinking, man, we're this little army here, and they have plenty of supplies inside there, and they have all these things up on the wall. How are these walls going to come down? God gave it to us, but how are we going to attack this city and overcome it? They're, they're just like, man, it's not going to happen. So what did God speak to them? Again, something that to us as human beings would have been like, man, this is really silly. This is really crazy. I mean, we're not firing missiles at this thing and stuff, but I want you to march around this wall seven times. I should just do this big lap around it and that sort of thing. I mean, you can imagine the soldiers up on the wall just standing there and being like, look at these goofballs just walking around this place here. What are they doing? Like, they're trying to scope us out and all this stuff. I mean, it, it would just, it would blow your mind. And then they're, they're down there hearing the intimidation of these people and, and what's going on there. But the, the plan of God that he gave to them, he said, you do it this way. This is the way that you're going to have to obtain this promise in Jesus' name. It doesn't matter how goofy it looks. It doesn't matter how crazy it looks. But you go all for it. And if you do, this is going to be the result in Jesus' name. You know, we can get those people that are the naysayers about the way we do things as apostolics in Jesus' name. But man, I'm, I'm listening to that less and less because I began to realize this, this method and this principle that's in the Bible, that when God says it, you do it. You understand and you move in Jesus' name. Even something as simple as, as you know, like when you're, you're standing here, I used to be the person that sat in the back, and I was super shy and scared and intimidated when I was inside of these services, and man, people would be clapping and lift, lifting their hands. And I, I even, when I was younger, would make fun of some of those people when I didn't understand it. I'll be honest and real. I'm not proud of it, but I, I I did at a certain point in time. But then eventually God began to ask me to do those things. And I was like, well, God, I just made fun of that guy. And you're going to make me do it too? That sort of thing. I mean, like, you know, God has a funny way of bringing that stuff about. And in and, and, and that first time that, you know, he asked me to lift my hands, I did it. And just feeling that presence of God and those promises of his begin to rush, it was like, wow, that's, that's powerful. And, and just moving forward beyond that, I mean, once I got comfortable with that, God even just saying, hey, I want you to go down to your knees. And, and learning to instantly being like, okay, I'm going to go down to my knees. If God wants me on my knees, I'm going to move to my knees right away. Or laying in, in front of the altar, like, boom, you know, God, as soon as you say it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to instantly be in that place. I learned that in youth camps and, and being around people with a, a ton of faith and that sort of thing and then bringing it back home and doing it here where sometimes it was a lot harder for me to do it in a place like this where I knew everybody that was around me in the, 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 those circumstances. But again, it was what God had asked me to do. It looks silly, but it's how the promise was meant to be attained in Jesus' name. And so Joshua, he went to Jericho and the city was tightly closed and it was well defended, but he listened to God's voice and he discerned God's strategy. The result was powerful and Israel was victorious through this in Jesus' name. It's just incredible to think about what they, what that, that plan that God had given to them. And we think about our lives, how many people would have given up in that particular circumstance of just saying, it's too big, God, we're going to move on to the next city, we'll conquer that one and just keep moving on down the road, that sort of stuff. 
No, it, there's a process and there's a step that we must go through. And if there's something right here that's in our way, let's not just divert and go around it, but let's say, God, it is now time for you to conquer this and for you to take hold of this city because I want this to be defeated so that I can move on to the next thing in my life in Jesus, to the, the next promise or the next place in Jesus' name. He directed Israel to march around Jericho in a specific manner and in order. And today there are many people who are not experiencing breakthroughs because their lives are out of order and they refuse to yield to divine order that God has brought. Notice the breakthrough at Jericho included silence. This was something that, that kind of popped out to me on this. It included the people being silent. Joshua told them to be silent. It appears it was Joshua who added this command and not God. Joshua told them, hey, you guys, when we're doing this marching thing that God has asked us to do, I want you to be silent, dead silent as we were marching around this place. The people were to say nothing for six days as they marched around the city. Why? Most likely it was because for 40 years Israel had complained about the obstacles to possessing the promise and it disqualified them from possessing that promise. So Joshua said, as your leader, I've heard this long enough. As your leader, I've heard people saying that we can't conquer that long enough. I had 10 guys that said that we couldn't conquer this thing, and they're now gone. So for, for these laughs here, we're going to march around this, and we're going to be silent, and we're going to let God do what he is doing, and we're not going to say how much we, we hate those people who are up on the wall speaking these things down to us. We're just going to do what God asks us to do and reap the promise that he has given to us in Jesus' name. And because of their unbelief, these other people had perished in the wilderness, but these new ones listened to their leader. Even though it wasn't a command from God, they listened to Joshua and said, Joshua, we trust in what you are saying, and we are going to obey what you have spoken to us, and we are going to do that without question. And they did it in Jesus' name. And as a result, you see the walls came crumbling down, and they defeated that city and, and moved on to the next one. Incredible things to think about when you're talking about obtaining the promises of God in Jesus' name. So, can anybody guess the next blank? How about that? Too often we talk our way out of the blank and mess up the blank. I've been saying this word a lot tonight. We talk ourselves out of the promise. There you go. And we mess up the plan. Is that what you said? Yes, there you go. We talk ourselves out of the promise and we mess up the plan. I think we're all guilty of this. Very much so. That we begin to talk our way out of the promise and that we mess up the plan that God has given to us. And well, like, you know, I, I gave you these examples. I don't have to do that again. But sometimes to possess the promise, we must learn to be silent and just wait upon God. God, whatever you want to have happen here, I trust in you. If it's going to take months, if it's going to take a few weeks, whatever it's going to be, God, I'm here to wait upon you and to hear your word and to trust in you. We must not lose faith or momentum just because things are not working out like we had envisioned at the beginning. We, we talk about revival and we talk about these great things and that sort of stuff, but just because that process or that plan doesn't work as smoothly as we, we thought it should, it doesn't mean that we just need to dismiss that and say, well, this must not have been God's idea. No, if it's coming from our pastor and if it's coming from, from what God has given to us through prayer and the promises that he has spoken to us, we absolutely need to, to, to trust in that and say, I'm not going to grow weary in this well-doing in Jesus' name. So uh, I'm going to ask this question. I don't know if anybody will want to answer it. If you do, I, I, I thank you for that. But when do you feel most distant from God? When, when is a time that you feel most distant from God? I just asked this because I think it could be a help to others. But. Yeah. At work. Yeah. And do you have a, a why for that? Or? Great answer. Yeah. 
much. So, yeah, we uh, just a quick side note on that. We need to pray for our college. Um, Jake told me some things that they're beginning to, to just institute and teach, and it, it'll blow your mind um, nowadays. Things that they're saying, this is our core. Like, if you don't believe this, you can't be a part of this college. It's, it's crazy. We need to pray in Jesus' name. So I can, I can see why, brother. It's a battleground, Jesus' name. Anybody else have something? we've all been there before it's hard to talk when we're when we're pouting sometimes and and I can laugh at that because I, I know exactly what you're saying so let me ask you on the flip side what makes you most keenly aware of God's presence? what, what what's is the other thing that, that that makes you aware of God most keenly or closely aware of God's presence either an atmosphere or maybe a an environment or a, uh, something, what, what, what for you makes most aware? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yes. Opposite of work is church. Amen. <laughs> Meditate upon God and his things there. Very much so. I mean, I think we could keep this list going and going. You know, worship, church, um, prayer room in our houses, whatever it may be. Um, I mean, there's so many places that we can draw close to God's presence in Jesus' name. So um, so I'm going to continue on here just to try to finish this up for you all in a timely manner tonight. But it says this, the confidence to possess the promise comes from God's power. Confidence to possess his promise, it comes from his power, not from our power. I mean, we, we do have to take steps and, and move forward and go through that stuff, but God's power is what ultimately is going to uh, give us the strength to make it through that or to endure those things in Jesus' name. So even though we are doing the process, we're using him as fuel. He's the one that, that fuels us up in Jesus' name. And so it says this in Joshua 1 and 8, and we read this in Scripture again, but it says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make your way prosperous, and thou shalt uh, have good success. So again, speaking about what we are talking about here, when do we feel closest to God? When we're in prayer, when we're meditating, when we're in an environment where we're close to him, where we're searching out his word, that, that sort of thing. And that's what the scripture, what God was telling Joshua, to meditate in these things, these promises that I have given to you day in and day out so that tomorrow when you're faced with a challenge, you have the tools that you need to overcome that challenge. So that when you're faced with that giant, you can say, you know what? God said we're going to overcome this giant and this is how we're going to do it. Boom. You, you go out and you, you knock it out. Again, you go into this world and, and you begin to face these sins and, and that sort of thing. And there's challenges and temptations and, and prickly things and all sorts of stuff spiritually that are out there in, in Jesus' name. And I'm not trying to make it sound like a deep, dark place, but there's many things that we do have to overcome and, and, and rise above. And the way that we do that is by meditating in the Word of God and understanding how we overcome that. And then when we go out there, when we begin to face those challenges, we say, you know what, this is how God said to do it. And I'm going to try it this way this time and see if I can overcome it through God's Word rather than my own might. And I'm going to begin to pray against those things or I'm going to begin to fight them however God's Word has said to do so. And we begin to challenge those things. And as a result, God's promise begins to, to come into our life. Again, it just begins to show how essential it is to meditate and to know this and to understand 
understand the word of God and what it takes to rise above these challenges in our world and sin and things like that in Jesus' name. And not only for us, but also for other people. What if somebody comes to us and says, hey, what do I need to do to be saved? I, I don't know what happened today, but I feel like I need to ask you about this sort, sort of thing. And they come up and ask you that. Do you have the ability to answer them and say, well, these are the, the steps that God has listed out in Scripture. Begin with this one and begin to work through this process about salvation in Jesus' name. That's something to ask yourself. Has God given you that or God has given you that ability, but we must meditate or know those things in order to begin to share that with other people. I'm not saying that we need to be some superhuman and, and know every single scripture that's inside of the Bible, but we should be able to have enough knowledge so that we can overcome at least those simple things or those questions that may come up to us in Jesus' name, especially as leaders. God has said to be ready to give an answer in some of those things. It doesn't mean that we take time don't, or that doesn't mean that we don't take time to ponder some, some questions that we get, but it means that we, we are ready to still provide an answer to somebody that may have a question in a dire time. So God's power will secure his promises, and we receive that power through getting into his word. That's how that begins to fill us up and fuel us and drive us in Jesus' name. And so God's promises are secure, yet they are reserved for those who seek him. As we spoke about, Joshua led Israel in there, and, and, and he said, this is what's going to happen and that sort of thing. But each individual person had to make the decision that this promise is for me as well. This promise is for my, my people. This promise is, is for that, that sort of thing. They had to make that decision on their own that that's what they would do. And so God's promises are secure, but they're reserved for those who seek him, those who desire him, those who come to church and, and really want to begin to possess those things in Jesus' name. And so the scripture that supports that in 2 Peter 3, 17 through 18, says, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Again, speaking to how powerful it is to, to know what, what God's wisdom is, to know and understand his knowledge rather than what the world is saying out there, to know and understand what, what his scriptures say rather than what a religion says or, or what beliefs say and, and that sort of stuff, of what Google says. And, and I mean, you could go down the list. It, it's more important to know what these words say and what these words speak to us than any of those other ideas around, than our buddy or our best friend or those, those sort of things. No, we, we need to have the wisdom of God upon our lives, and then everything else can revolve around that in Jesus' name. It's the only way that we will begin to obtain those promises. And again, we must be willing to grow and to seek God. Another scripture that you can read yourselves is in 1 Peter 2 and 2, and that scripture speaks about that as a newborn baby to desire, to seek, to grow in that milk and to desire that milk because that milk is what's going to make you strong. It's speaking that as Christians that when we first come into church, when we first meet God, we, we, we can't eat the big things of the big chunks of meat and that sort of stuff, but just start with the stuff that's really easy. Start with the stuff that's real light in Jesus' name, just the milk, and, and you begin to drink that and you begin to grow stronger and stronger and eventually you get to the place where in God Maybe you feel like you're, you're a little bit more growing up where you can have, have some meat in that sort of stuff spiritually, but God wants to give us the easy, basic stuff at the beginning so that he doesn't just put all these weights there and we feel like, man, God, I can't even walk under all this weight. It's so much words and there, there's so many things inside of the Bible and they're telling me to do this and then to do this and, and all that sort of stuff. No, we, we just have to begin to say, you know what, I'm just going to do the basics. I'm going to read my Bible just a, a few minutes every day. I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to let God just speak to me, and, and whatever he says, I'll, I'll trust in that. I'm going to listen to the plan of salvation and do these things that God has asked me to. I'm going to get baptized in Jesus' name and seek the Holy Ghost and repent and, and, and you know, get rid of these sins. I'm going to do these basic things, and you just start with those little baby steps and, and just begin to move with those things, and don't overwhelm yourself, and if you start to feel overwhelmed with that stuff, you can always speak to your pastor. You can always just pray to God, I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed with this, God. There's a little bit too much that, that's coming from the scriptures and these, these things that you're giving to me. And, and God will help you through it, and, and he'll begin to take you uh, through that in Jesus' name. You just got to trust in him and those promises. And so you can read that scripture in 1 Peter 2 and 2, and, and it will begin to explain that a little bit more to you in Jesus' name. But I don't have time to fully dive into it tonight. And so when we begin the journey 
we are not equipped or capable of possessing all the land at once. We, we, we just aren't, we don't have the ability. It would be like expecting a baby to go out there and live in the world and just completely be able to get, you know, all their food and everything else that they need. It just doesn't happen in Jesus' name. But spiritually, it's the same sense in Jesus' name. And so Colossians 2 and 10 is another scripture that we can look at. It says, you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power in Jesus' name. We're complete in him. It's pretty self-explanatory in that scripture. But he is the reason that we are complete or the reason that we have everything that we need, the reason that we're able to overcome this joy. Again, it's him. It's his power. It's his purpose. It's him showing up during our worship services. It's him that shows up in our prayer meetings. It's him that comes into our households and begins to deliver and sweep things in Jesus' name. It's him that does all that stuff. It's not because of us and how great we are, but it's just our, our obedience to him and his plan that those promises begin to come in there in Jesus' name. And he's not a God that's like Allah or like these other gods that are out there that, that are fake, that are non-existent in Jesus' name. But he is a God that says, I, I died on a cross for you so that you could be freed from all sin and you could obtain these promises that I am telling you about here in Jesus' name. So just like Joshua, he's telling us, I want you to be free from sin and I want you to be delivered from the things in your life. And I'm so dead serious about it that I'm going to come down there and put myself on a cross for you all to see that this can be broken and these chains can begin to fall off. You see how serious our God is about his promises and these things that he gives to us in scripture. It's not just words or some fairy tale or some pixie dust that, that he begins to sprinkle and it's just, man, it, it's magical and dancing in roses and all that stuff. No, he's saying, man, I'm giving you all this stuff here because I want you to obtain it in Jesus' name. I want you to have that joy in your life in Jesus' name. I want you to have that peace in your life. I want you to have that reassurance, but you're going to have to go, and you're going to have to be willing to fight for it, and you're going to have to be willing to stand for it, and then I will just pour it in that much more so in Jesus' name. It's what Jesus will give to us in his power and in his presence in Jesus' name. So I'm thankful for that growth that he can give to us, and that brings us to our next point here, that growth happens neither by accident nor by mechanics, but by an organic relationship with Jesus Christ. It just doesn't poof into our lives again, but it happens by a relationship with Jesus. Without the relationship with Jesus, we, we don't have that growth that's going to happen in our lives. It's just not going to be there. We can say that coming to church and, and sitting in a service, yeah, we, we, I mean, you'll feel the anointing in, in, in that sort of thing. But people have the ability and the power to shut that anointing off inside of their lives and say, yeah, I felt it in there, but that's not for me and I don't want it to apply to my life. I, that's nobody in here tonight. But there are people that think that sometimes. That they come to these things and, man, it's just too weird. I'm going to turn it off a little bit and shut that off. What, what a, a drastic, I, I mean, sad. I mean, it's just so terrible to think about that. We must be intentional by making these right choices towards God. And we can only do it through divine energy, which is found in Colossians 1 and 27. It says this, that Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's what does this. A man's purpose is found when he desires to become more, hungers for God, and even struggles to be victorious. Are you hungry? Are you growing? Are you possessing the promise? Questions that we can ask ourselves. We grow by gaining power through the word of God and by gaining power through being in his presence, by seeking him more so than just inside of a church service in Jesus' name. So God's command contains within it the power to accomplish his purpose. We kind of spoke about this at the beginning, but he gives us the ability to, to, to conquer those things. When he says this is how you obtain this promise, here's the process and here's the tools for you to be able to do that. Jesus' name. It's incredible to think about. Luke 1 and 37 says this, For with God nothing shall be impossible. Another version says, For no word from God shall be void of power. No word of God shall be void of power in Jesus' name. The very word of God speaks, has in it the power to accomplish what he has intended for that word when he speaks it. That's how powerful it is. The written text of the first five books of the Bible were completed by Moses and became a gift to Joshua. 
This was not just a historical item to be carried by the priest as a memento from the past, but it was a guide to the present. These are the things that God has spoken, and it's breathing, and it's living, and it's alive. So let it become what you are victorious in, in Jesus' name. It was a powerful gift that was given. The greatest legacy Moses left to Joshua was not the promised land, but it was the written word that will never pass away. The word that said, this is how God said to do it. This is the promise that he's given to you. And this word is speaking and moving in Jesus' name. That's why there's power in the name of Jesus. That, that, that when we speak that, when we speak it into an atmosphere in our workplaces, wherever it may be, things change and things immediately begin to notice and things immediately perk up and understand, man, there, there's something here that is inside of that in Jesus' name. And we begin to pray just a simple prayer of God, touch my brother in Jesus' name. Boom. I mean, that power is speaking, that word is there. It's the anointing of God that can begin to move that in Jesus' name. And so the power of God is just an incredible thing. And we gain power by meditating on God's word. Word that this is still alive and breathing and speaking in Jesus' name. You'll read through it and then you'll go back through and you'll be like, man, I never saw that scripture there. It couldn't have been here the last time I read through this thing, I mean, it's just crazy how God begins to, to move this stuff around. It truly begins to feel like it's living and alive and moving and breathing. And, and just in the moment when you need something and, and God begins to give you a scripture and you're like, man, this scripture has never been here before, but God's speaking it straight to me. And all of a sudden it's here and God's giving me a, a plan on how this thing needs to work. It's incredible to think about the power that is inside of this living word in Jesus' name. And so these people, the Hebrew word translated uh, meditate, it means to mutter, uh, means to mutter. And so the Israelites, they took this very seriously. They read scripture aloud inside of their households over and over again. They read it aloud in their synagogues. And they also spoke this word to their families daily because they wanted this word resounding. These are the promises that God has given to you. Go out and claim them today, kids. These are the promises that God has given to you. Walk into your school knowing that this is what God has said to you. They said it out loud. Think of the power if we bring that to our children in the morning. You know, you're giving them their toast or whatever it may be, and you say, man, you know, God, God's got you today. God, God's got this for you today. God, Christ is in you today. I, I mean, you, you begin to speak some of those scriptures. You can just flip to, to a chapter and just say, well, this is what God says today, you know, and you, you give to th that to them. Think of how encouraged your kids would be walking into some of those schools and stuff. It's amazing. Think about how encouraged you would be walking into that. So it's only through his presence, his word, and his power that we're able to be what he wants us to be. We must see that his fruits begin to grow in our hearts, and that's how we know that we are, are attaining those promises that he has asked us to, to obtain. And then we also see that we become sons and daughters of him when these fruits begin to grow in our lives as a result of the power and the promise that he has given to us. God has already demonstrated his power to us through his resurrection, and now we have access to his power through the Holy Ghost. When we are filled with the Spirit, we have confidence to claim his promises in Jesus' name. We will always be a success when we practice the word of God and not just preach it, for God never forsakes us and never forsakes his word that he has given to us in Jesus' name. He will never abandon his word, and so we must possess his promise in Jesus' name. I want to conclude this with this short story tonight just to bring about this idea, and then we will pray and let God impact us in Jesus' name. As a child, Dallas Willard lived in southern Missouri where electricity was available only in the form of lightning. That meant that the people lived half of their lives in the dark, but during his senior year of high school, the Rural Electrification Administration came through the county and strung electrical lines. The tiny town of Buffalo, Missouri was added to the electrical grid. Virtually overnight, electrical power became available to households and to farms. With electricity, came a new way of living, and most people immediately saw the advantages. New power was available from, for everything from lighting to heating and to cooking to cleaning, and everyday life was dramatically changed for the better. But still, Willard said people had to believe in electricity, and they had to take the practical steps involved in that belief. They had to sign up for the service, run wires to their homes, and install the appliances that could make use of this. Incredibly, some people did not accept this new form of power. 
Some simply did not want to change. Others thought they couldn't afford it. And some may have been afraid of the ways in which it would change their lives. And there was, no doubt, a few who were just too lazy to take the steps to acquire it. Whatever the reason, they went on living in the dark, even as their neighbors enjoyed this new way of life. There is a parallel here to the promises of God. They're available to all of us by faith, but those promises are conditioned upon our acceptance. We must go through the practical steps of saying yes to God, relying on the Spirit, living in obedience to Him. Will you accept this new power for living? Will you receive the promises of God? You have His promise, you have His presence, and you have His power. Now the choice is up to you on what you want to do with it. In Jesus' name. If we could stand tonight, I think God has spoken some things here. I want to be in that place where I have his power living in me daily in Jesus' name. And I want to be in that place like Joshua, where we go and we claim the things that God has given to us in Jesus' name. And so if we could lift our hands, let's just claim that today in Jesus' name. God, again, we thank you so much for your report, God. And after last Wednesday, we believe your report, Jesus. And tonight we are here because we trust in your promises, God. We have shown up tonight because we believe in what your word says, God. Begin to write that upon our hearts, Lord. Open our eyes, God, inside of our households of how we can let your promises begin to flow more so on a daily basis. God, give us that courage in that strength that you have required of us to begin to make these steps closer to you, Jesus. Whatever baby step may be taken, Jesus, give us the ability to walk towards that, Jesus. I pray that no one in here would be overladen or overbearing with these things, Jesus, that tonight it would just be very simple, Jesus. Whatever your smallest promise is, Jesus, that we would claim that to see you work in the midst of that, Jesus, and allow it to begin to grow into something stronger in Jesus' name. God, I pray that for all of these here. Lord, that your promises and your blessings, your results would begin to be seen spiritually in the environments that are around us in Jesus' name, God. I thank you for what you have done here in Jesus' name. We believe you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just thank him one last time for those promises and how great he truly is.